0: Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where I share inspiring stories of ordinary people who walk out God's Word and discover radical results along the way. I will. Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, and I have something super fun for you today. In this podcast, I had the opportunity to chat with one amazing guy, bestselling author, scriptwriter, and producer, N.D. Wilson. Now, if you have preteens in your home, you may know N.D. as the author of numerous young adult books that are really very well done, especially the Hundred Cupboards Trilogy. Wilson's Hundred Cupboards Trilogy was published by Yearling, and it's the story of Henry York, a boy who finds his way to other worlds through the cupboards in the attic of his uncle's Kansas house. What I love about Endy's writing is that he writes books that kids love, but also he approaches his writing as someone who loves God deeply. And that's the type of author that I definitely want my kids to be reading books from. Yet today, we won't be talking about Endy's books. Instead, we're chatting about his new nature documentary that he produced. My kids and I watched it and you'll hear more about their thoughts in the interview. Uh, Just a side note, they did love it, but I also wanted to tell you that as a Christian mom, I am so excited about this. I don't know about you, but growing up in church, I was always confused by the seemingly conflict between the Bible and science. It seemed as if my teachers at school were saying one thing and the Sunday school teacher and the Bible taught other things. So the questions always plagued me and I didn't know how to reconcile the two. Then 27 years ago, when John and I were newly married, we attended an Answers in Genesis conference and our minds were blown. We were so excited to see how science and the Bible didn't contradict, instead, science was a grand display of the creative glory of God. So this documentary is called The Riot and the Dance, and these are a few things that it highlights. More about God. By examining the world around us, how the world reflects the fall of man and how science answers questions of creation in a suddenly cinematic way. Now, if you mention those topics, it seems boring. There is nothing boring. It is beautiful. It is so well done. My kids absolutely were enthralled the whole time. And I love chatting with ND and you'll be amazed by some of the things he shared. I just loved how he kind of took us with us and shared some stories of things that he experienced as they were filming this documentary. I can't wait to share this episode. this podcast with my kids they usually don't listen but I know they're gonna love listening to him talk about it here's some of the behind the scenes of filming this and I know they will are super excited because they are so eagerly awaiting the next documentary which is going to be on water they cannot wait so I think they will especially love this behind the scenes scoop so right now here's my interview with N.D well friends I am so excited to have uh, a special guest today and his name is Andy Wilson and I'll just have him start by telling you a little bit about himself and some exciting stuff that he's a part of so Andy will you start by just telling us a little about yourself your family and what's going on in your
1: world right now uh, yes thanks for having me I am Andy Wilson I've decided I decided to be Andy Wilson in the sixth grade I didn't realize that uh, I was Nate, you know, and I, I thought when I write books, I'll be N.D. Wilson. I you have to be cool. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know that it would actually change my name. I just thought I'll write novels under N.D. Wilson because I love C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. R. Tolkien and P.G. Woodhouse and all these other great initials, G.K. Chesterton. And so I'll do initials. And then it just functionally changed my name as soon as I had <laughs> a writing career, which I had not anticipated. So Nate is fine. N.D. Wilson is how you find me on the Internet. Um, I am a novelist, primarily uh, young adult adventure, fantasy stories. Also been working in film for 10 years and really trying to create true alternative content, you know, a content that the kind of content I want my own children to feed on, uh, both in books and also in film. So not, you know, I'm not just trying to make it, if that makes sense. Right. But I want to create an alternative Content stream for my own offspring. I've got five of them, five kids. (laughs) So uh, they need a little alternative content. And most recently, I made a nature documentary called The Riot and the Dance. We were in over 800 theaters on March 19th. Uh, It did really well. We're quite excited and thrilled with the response that there actually is a demand for a nature documentary that celebrates the artistry of the animals, the artistry and intentionality of the animals, not just attributes it to chaos. Uh, but actually gives glory to God for it. Uh, there's a lot of demand for that, and so we've been invited back into theaters on April 19th, um, and we're we're quite thrilled to be going back out there, uh, back onto screens for families. Um, and that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, it took us three years to chase animals all around the world and get the the quality of the footage that we wanted to, and we finally did. And so our first our, our first part of hopefully hopefully a franchise is now. Having its first experience out in theaters, and it's been it's been a blast.
0: That is awesome. Now I have ten kids. We've adopted seven from homeschooling. I know. You have five. I have ten. No. Stop, <laughs>
1: stop showing up. <laughs>
0: Three biological, but we've adopted seven, and those are the ones I'm currently homeschooling. So their ages uh, between seven and just turned 18. So she's a senior this year. And wow. so I sat down, like, okay, we're gonna watch this nature documentary, and you can see on their faces, like, okay, mom, <laughs> like, uh, why but, are we gonna uh, do this? Gosh. Yeah, and I and they're like, who? And you know, I said I'm gonna be interviewing this guy, and this looks really cool. They're like, who? And so I told them your name, and they go, wait. Is that the 100 Cupboards guy? And my Uh, teenagers, there's a squeal that went up around the house. They're like, you really going to talk to him? I'm like, yes, I'm the cool mom now because I got to interview you. Um, Uh But we sat down, and you can see they like got out Legos. They're just going to kind of play with Legos while they watch. They were so enthralled within – Minutes, awesome. they were just pulled into it and they loved it. They, there wasn't one complaint. I don't think they moved the whole time. It was on. I mean, the beauty, the artistry, the story. I mean, glorifying God. They just loved it all, and I did too. And it's so funny because at the end, it talks about the oceans one, um, yeah. and and they go, "Is that on this DVD too?" And I'm like, "I don't mm-hmm. think so." And they're like, "Yes, it is." And they got so excited, then it wasn't. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. I'm like, "Well, maybe we'll get a chance to see that one love, too." I love
1: that response though. Because I'm excited for the next one also. We're about 40% done with production on, on part two, water. So part one, the one that's going out to theaters now, back around, is just earth, functions on earth. Part two is underwater. I got scuba certified to start doing underwater filming and all sorts of other things. And um, You know, I had, I had a great moment with my little sister who asked me, um, and I love her greatly. She doesn't have kids. She has seven kids, not ten. <laughs> uh, she also was showing off, but it's uh it's she was asking me saying, so why do you have to be the one to go film sharks? She's like why are you? Like what makes you think that you, what makes you think you're supposed to do this? <laughs> she was just not not buying not in, into not it. Not into it. That I was going to go jump in the water with a bunch of sharks and, and film them and um the answer was just that no one else had that nobody else has really gone out there. Mm. There there've been a lot of talking head movies, you know. Right. There's there's a lot of And those have their place, you know, where there can be talking heads. And i I just chatting about information. And I really wanted to give close-up experiences of animals through a Christian's eyes. So when we get out there and see vipers, how do we respond? How do we think through it? When we see, you know, elephant seals misbehaving, how do we think through it? Uh, How do we look at creation through the lens of Scripture? but still seeing that it's God's natural revelation, it's his artistry, this is his museum crowded with his artwork, and he's our father, and we should want to know all the things that he made and all the things he made and left to us. It's like they are our inheritance. And we have all these things that are handcrafted by our father, and then we just kind of whistle past them or we stay numb, we stay plugged into our smartphones and don't even pay attention but the intricacy and the artistry and the glory that he's woven into every corner of this globe is really quite overpowering. And so I wanted to try to capture that and present it in a way that was not boring, in a way that was exciting for kids um, and parents alike. um, And hopefully in a way that will remove some calluses, help people no longer be so numb to the reality of the world around them. Um, I had a buddy text me after watching it and just say, you got home and there's a moth on his porch, and he was just staring at it, just transfixed mm. a- afterward, where this thing had – this was a worm that turned into soup that reconstituted itself as a flying object. You know, how does that, how does that even happen? I'm, I'm a fantasy novelist. I love writing fantasy. And when I'm in schools, when I'm speaking to big groups of kids or touring around the country, one of the most common questions I'm asked is if you could live in any magical world, which one would it be? And they're thinking like Narnia, Middle Earth, Hogwarts, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And my answer is always this one. Like this this is the one I would choose. This is the craziest world. I could never make up a fantasy world as wild as this one. You know, this one is is insane. And the creatures you find out there, and everything from photosynthesis, you know, trees being made out of thin air by starlight. Right. Like how does that how does this work? Because the sun is a star. We're close to it. And these trees are being made by starlight. When I pick an apple, it's made by star power. Like this is and I shove it in my face and it gives me energy. Like it's it just is a weird, <laughs> bizarre place. And it's filled with creatures. I mean it is bursting with creatures. Whereas if you think about Lord of the Rings, like how many animals do you meet along the side of the road? Right. Like it just it's it's a people story. You know, it's a hobbits and dwarves and elves story. And you encounter some wolves, and I think that it's some birds. That's about it, big eagles. But here, like, you can't go anywhere without finding an ant war on the sidewalk or monarch butterflies migrating to Mexico, uh gray whales, outracing orcas. You know, it's like it's just there's so much going on everywhere. God has just filled this place. It's teeming with life and with amazing life. So that that's really our, you know, our goal is to try to capture just a fraction of it and help widen eyes. You know, the more eyes we can widen to the reality we live in, the happier we're going to be.
0: Absolutely. And I love that it was all centered on God and his creation. Cuz so many times we'll watch nature shows on Netflix, whatever and the kids are like, it's not millions of years and that's just dumb and you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, they can say there's something that can just agree with them and what they believe. And what, when we read the Bible, this, this agrees with it. And it's so funny. Cause I think their favorite part was the snakes. <laughs> which oh, yeah. They were just so fascinated. And then they went out to look for snakes. I'm like, wait, 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 <laughs> we're in Arkansas. There are snakes. I'm like, yeah, don't, Arkansas don't pick good. anything up.
1: So uh, yeah. but it,
0: it did. It pushed them outside. They were outside. They were, running down to the park to see what creatures they can find. And I love that, how it just sparks this interest in them to see the world in new eyes and to see God's creation in new ways. And I just love that you're able to do that. I'm so thankful that you're continuing to do that. Now, tell me about what what was it like? I mean, so you were the one that was actually going out and doing the filming and being out there in nature with all
1: these creatures? Yes, I was the director and a director and a producer. And the, the backstory here is this is, First, well, first i I'll let me say it thrills me that your kids wanted to run outside and find stuff, because that's right. ultimately the goal yeah. of all, all of my work, like whether it's novels or film. I don't ever want to make people bored with their own reality, like with their You're own right. existence. But um, doing this, the decision to do this was in large part because my uncle used to drag me outside and take me on adventures. He would take me out hunting insects, snakes, frogs. He was a scientist, and – uh, my dad's brother, and I grew up in a very bookish family, and I love that. You know, we were very stories, humanities, you know, books read aloud around the dinner table. That right. was ours. And your father's now an author, and your, your sister's yeah. an author. I my mean, sisters, yeah. yes. So we're, we're a family of words. And then my uncle is the scientist, the naturalist, and he would show up and ask me if I wanted to go catch snakes because he had some, you know, thesis he was writing or something. I'd, yes. I would go dig fossils with him, catch bugs with him. Uh, all the way up through graduate school, I would go out tromping with him. Uh, when he he moved out to Virginia, I'm in Idaho. And I hadn't seen him since I was you know pretty young, uh, on, on adventures, and I went out there for graduate school, and we had all these adventures out there together that were a blast. And then, I got to a place in my own career where I had an opportunity to make an interdoc, where I could do it, and you know I had the team, I had the gear, I had the funding. Uh, and I wanted to give that exact same experience that I had to as many other people as I could. So I called my uncle. He's the, he's the star of the film. He's the, he's the narrator and said, like, okay, let's go do it again. Like, we're going to go on some more adventures. Like, this time I'm taking you out. Um, and we're going to go around the world over years chasing things. Uh, and I'm going to document it. And it was thrilling. It was really a blast to have that be a continuation of our of our familial relationship, you know, together. Where what we used to do when I was eight, just catching frogs in a pond, we just we just ramped it up to a much larger, more global scale and did it for a couple of years. And it was a blast. And I really, you know, that same joy and wonder that I had with him being my curator, with him taking me out, catching stuff when I was young. You know, I really was excited to be able to capture that for other people, give them the same Uncle Gordon that I had. Yeah, you know, this, this, the same Uncle Gordon experience just wandering much farther away from home than we did when I was little. That was awesome. That was, a, that was really, really fun for me.
0: And he's so perfect for it because he's so excited. And so, yes. you know, just like, look at this. Can you believe this? This is amazing. Yeah. And
1: oh, He's a kid. He's such a kid. Yeah, yeah
0: and so they, 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 they're like, do you get to meet that guy, too? My kids asked me. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe someday we'll go talk we, to talk to him. We can send
1: something out for sure. Yeah, but they, was, uh... yeah, he, I mean, he
0: just pulled them right into.
1: That's awesome. It was also awesome. As a naturalist, he has a naturalist bucket list. And it was really fun to, have, like, get some of that ticked off with him or creatures we found. And it's unexpected. Like, he has a real heart for uh, not what he would call the megafauna, you know, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. the big obvious ones. He loves those, too. You know, elephants and lions. He loves those. But he has a heart for, like, the zebra-tailed lizard. You know, he really always, always wanted to see – and catch a zebra-tailed lizard, the fastest lizard in North America. Yeah. You know, it's crazy fast. And so when he got to catch that, it's like here he is standing there with a lizard, and it's like Christmas. You know, he was like, <laughs> it was like Christmas morning with it for him. The coach whip, fastest land snake in North America, same thing. And that thing was biting him, just chomping on him. He was just like giddy, standing there giddy. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was really fun to do for a lot of reasons. One was the bigger cultural reason. Like you say, I love watching nature documentaries because all nature is Christian. Right. Nature is Christian. Nature is God's. And so, if somebody, even if they're a God hater, if somebody's an atheist and they're out pointing a camera at something beautiful that belongs to God, it also belongs to me. You know, mm-hmm. I love watching that, but I hate watching it and listening to them dishonor God, trying their best to steal it from God, trying their best to make it their own and not God's. And so, this opportunity to To really do that, to claim nature for tens of thousands of kids, I want to grow up watching stuff where God is honored and not just watching stuff where people are trying to rob God. And also, just on a personal level, to give them, to try to give them my Uncle Gordon. Like, this is what I had. This is what I loved. This is how I came by my wonder in large part was through him. And then, selfishly, to just go on adventures with him again. Yeah. (laughs) To To be back in my childhood and just, you know, I touched a cobra. It was awesome. I've kicked a shark now. You know, there's been all sorts of uh, wild adventures we've put under our belts at this point.
0: I love that. You know, one of my, I mean, most amazing moments was I was able to go on a safari in Kenya. I went there as a writer working on um, a project for Iwana and we got to go on a safari and just being there and being in the presence. I mean, we were in the big Jeep thing standing up, you know, so we weren't like next to them, but just like, I'm like, everyone just needs to see these animals close up and just, it was like the Garden of Eden. Like, you see the gazelles like jumping and the elephant. I mean, it was just like, oh my goodness. I could totally picture what the Earth looked like during creation, and these animals, and the colors, and just their strength, and um, yeah. what was like a moment when you just stood there and like, I can't believe I'm here <laughs> seeing this uh, at this time.
1: There were a few of those, and I think that um, a big one for me was running into um, not not in like a safari preserve, but running into a wild elephant in the woods, mm-hmm. you know, in this jungle, and just encountering an elephant is this big bull sitting there with his, you know, with his tusks. It's an Asian elephant, so they don't all have tusks, but this one did. And it's the size of a small house. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, gosh, like there's no fence. There's no, what do we do? It's just like, I hope I hope we're fine because this is so awe-inspiring. It was so amazing. I just kind of stood there swaying, looking at us quietly. I then just turned and disappeared into the jungle. And I just stood there, and it was just this moment of silence as this massive animal vanished into a jungle. I was thinking, like, how does it disappear? Like right. it, it can't be that far. And then suddenly, about 50 yards from me, this tree snaps and just falls over. And you think, okay, that's that's where it is. Um, but it was just coming face-to-face with one, you know, almost by accident, like bumping into somebody in an airport, you know, just like, whoa, sorry about that. Like we just ran into you. Um, was really awe-inspiring to me. And then, uh, there's been, there are lots of other ones too. So we've all seen hummingbirds, right? But getting in there with a theatrical camera and slowing it down and watching it at a really, really high frame rate where we can, we can watch every wing beat, seeing them differently than you've ever seen them before, uh, was amazing. And also spending days getting to know them, you know, filming them, writing narration for them, and watching their personalities as how territorial they are. They're little musketeers. They love to the duel. And they're always dive-bombing each other on branches. and yeah, you know, it, it, it was tiny and normal, and we've all seen a hummingbird, and yet it was just astounding. Uh, and also, I would say, looking a puma in the face. Oh, my goodness. Yeah,
0: beautiful. <laughs> yeah,
1: just stunning. Like, just sitting there, stunning. Like, just the architecture, the symmetry of the face, the lines, the delicacy, this weird, like, beautiful sadness that they have in, in the face. And it was, I was floored. I was absolutely floored by it. But there's a lot of that, a lot of those moments. And I have to say, more often than not, when I'd encounter something spectacular, I'd be sitting there thinking, this is fake. This looks fake. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't realistic. This, isn't, this is not realistic. This cobra, a cobra is not realistic. This looks like it's plastic. It's plastic. Right. It's also way too angry. It's like, it's way, like, this is, it's just a cartoon character. Like, this is a fantasy creature. I felt that way about elephants. You know, like, that's ridiculous. Um, like they're just, they're so farcical. It's so fantastical. And yet here it is breathing and hummingbirds, same thing, you know, just over and over and over again, running into creatures where if I were an editor and somebody pitched me this animal for their fantasy novel, I'd be saying, yeah, that's not realistic. We need a We need a more realistic something. Right. (laughs) Take away your elephant seals. This is, you know, I don't buy it. I'm not buying, you know, Thousands of pounds wriggling around like a slug with a trunk, just you know. But they're there. They're yeah. Doing they're doing their thing.
0: And they're the, and they're there. I mean, just the like you mentioned, the massiveness of these these animals, and just seeing them, just their movements. I mean, I think that's what the film captured, even. In such a great way, too, is just to see their movements and see them in nature, and you know we've had a time to see these some of these things in zoos, and it's just not the yeah. same as just being out there and with them and I just felt like we were out there with you
1: awesome yeah that's that was that was the goal, and you're right, like capturing they're not just standing there capturing their movements, you know, or even just an elk making faces at us it is lulling its tongue out the side of its mouth, and yeah. being weird, and you're like, what are you doing like what was this?" <laughs> Um, we actually, there's one moment of the, of the moments that got away. Uh, we had one moment where we were all a little tense because we were tracking a leopard and, um, big, powerful leopard that was hungry and on the hunt and beautiful. And it was remarkable just sitting there watching one come down out of a tree and moseying off to find something to eat. And the grace, the like, grace combined with power, you know, the bright color, everything else. And we got lots of awesome stuff. And then when we were just about done and we were packing up and heading in because we thought it had vanished, this baby monkey comes down out of a tree and the leopard just appears and snatches it. Oh, wow. And we had just packed up. And, like, so, like, the cameras, like, lenses were being taken off. And I was like, oh. Just... <laughs> and at the same time, we were also like – I didn't want to necessarily include right you know kills you know in the same way that a planet earth does you know it's not all about just killing each other I wanted to see them graceful and see them edenic in some ways and not just under the curse so i'm sitting here thinking about like okay gosh i missed this i can't believe i missed this moment but then also um maybe it's better that i missed this moment but uh Then this baby monkey in the leopard's mouth, and the leopard kind of paces around with it for a little bit and then walks over towards the trees where all the other monkeys are and lets it go.
0: Oh, are you serious?
1: (laughs) And then I was really kicking myself. So because to have been there was amazing. You know, it's like to have seen the leopard at all was amazing. we had been told by all the experts that we probably wouldn't. It would be really, really difficult. You know, they're so elusive it would be really difficult to get. And we had all this awesome footage, but then I just I had this bizarre thing happen for for our crew where this leopard catches a baby monkey and then releases it back to its mom. Like what on earth? (laughs) Um, And it just it was such a refutation of the way we Mm -hmm. think about nature and all the normal nature docs. It was bizarre. I mean, the the leopard's got to eat, right? Right. Something. But it was it just decided not to eat that. Like it just made a different choice. That is amazing. And And it really it was. Really, uh, it was very, very impactful, I would say, you know, as far as, like, just being out there in the wild and being nervous and being, like, having an adrenaline spike while we're chasing this leopard around and then thinking, well, that poor baby monkey's toast. And then watching it run off back to its mom was really, really quite a moment. I think it was quite a moment for the whole crew. Right. And for my camera guys, a moment of frustration. <laughs> exactly.
0: But then I'm, I'm sure you just couldn't sleep. Like, what? what why did it let it you go? Know. And what
1: was going on?
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah now,
1: it was quite, quite bizarre.
0: Now I know also during this you had a personal um, health scare going on. Yeah. How did that impact even as you're chasing down nature and, and being able to be in the midst of God's creation and then struggling within, you want to share a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So it was it was quite odd because in two years of production I was dealing with more and more just random health issues. Just like, what is going on with me? Uh, and then finally my left ear just turned off and stopped working. And so then it was MRI time and we found a large you know, egg-sized brain tumor uh, really just kind of choking off my brain stem. Mm. And that's what, you know, killing me softly, as they say. Um, and it was... The, the root cause of all these different things I've been experiencing while I've been in production. And I had to go in for brain surgery, which is always exciting. And, you know, I told a lot of people, bucket list item for me is I now have a plate in my head, you know, something I always wanted to get a titanium <laughs> plate in my head. But, uh, you know, successful surgery. It wasn't cancer. You know, I'm extremely grateful um, that it was benign. And they, you know, fairly successful sur- surgery. Half, half my face is now numb and mm-hmm. has been for almost a year. Um, but then I came out of surgery, and I had to write the narration for this doc on the other side of brain surgery. Right. And as I was going through it, um, through the process of, you know, this, this trial, I was thinking, well, you know, I should probably read Job. It's always, it's always a good reminder that you have, I actually have it easy compared to what he was going right. through. But um, as soon as I did, as soon as I got back into Job, it really struck me that here's this manual for grief counseling or for trial counseling that we never, ever follow. We just don't. It doesn't make any sense to us because mm-hmm. Job has all this hardship and God speaks to him and says, look at the animals. Have you seen the animals? Like, look over here. Have you seen how the ravens young cry out to me all day long? Have you really, do you take pleasure in feeding the lions? Do you like, do you, can you harness the unicorn and make him plow your field? Asterix, I think the unicorn is a rhino. Um, You know, just all this, go to nature, go to nature, go to nature. And then Job ends up saying, you know, ask the beasts and they will teach you. uh, The birds of the air and they will tell you. And here I am sitting like up to my ear, my dead ear, in terabytes of footage. I've just spent two years going like out to the beasts, two years asking the beasts. And it's now my time to extract the lessons. So I'm sitting here to write the narration. I'm trying to capture what I learned from two years of the Beasts, but I'm doing it while I was going through a trial. And it really mm-hmm. wildly affected, I think, the entire approach to how I handled the narration. It was far more worshipful. It was a, mm-hmm. There was a lot more humility. I was expecting it to be with you know, more informational, and there's lots of information in, the, in here, but I was expecting it to sort of have information, just facts, be the backbone. Uh, be the backbone of the narration, and then there'd be you know little spiritual meditations and things about God and what we can learn from God from all this on the side, and it really flipped for me, it just inverted where the facts are there, but they are not the backbone of the experience. The backbone of the experience is just uh, just see that the hand of the Lord is in everything, see His artistry, and it's extremely reassuring. Like to be in a trial and be staring a puma in the face and realize just how meticulous God is. Like how, how absolutely the ultimate artist he is and how he handles everything. And to know that I'm part of that art and that he, like everywhere I go, it's beautiful. It's remarkable that I am, I am part of that artistry and that he can be trusted. Yeah, you know, it's like that he can absolutely be trusted. He, he is, of all the artists, the one who can most be most trusted. So the narration flipped for me into a far more Job-like uh, worshipfulness decorated with information and facts as opposed to a backbone of facts. And that was just directly a result of going through a trial while making a nature documentary. Right. So so going through this and then going to Job and, and noticing this really for the first time, that why on earth does God think the solution to Job's situation is to study the animals, go watch the animals? And um, it made sense after going through it. it. It made a lot more sense to me. So it it impacted the project heavily. There was no way it it couldn't at that point. So really the last year was all through this trial. The first two years was just a nagging mystery that was answered um, in the last year, when I had to actually, like, write all the narration, do the post-production, all that kind of
0: thing. Wow. That's so amazing. And I know, cause I've only been on those, that two days on the safari, so it doesn't even compare to your two <laughs> years out there. But I mean, there are times when I feel like there's chaos in my life, or my house is a mess, or the kids are out of control. I'm like, somewhere in Africa, there is wildebeest <laughs> that is, like, spread out, like, sand on yep. the seashore, as far as you can see. And that, I mean, there's just something powerful about that. Absolutely. Like God is there. You know, he, he he is over them. He created them. There's just beauty and power. And it just makes me realize that my little things are so small compared to what he can do and what he can experience. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it's where we fit in is you know that there's, you know, thousands and thousands of wildebeests, and that God knows every one of them. It has mm-hmm. a birth, a birth story, a death story, a liberation stories woven for, for that creature that might never be appreciated by anyone other than him. Right. It like might never be witnessed anywhere else. You know, flip a rock over in your backyard and a bunch of ants suddenly think it's the end of the world. And they, they react like it's the, the apocalypse. And every one of them has a story. And every one of them actually has a genetic lineage that goes back to the beginning of history. And you think about the kind of artist that could tell thousands and thousands of years of genealogies of an ant. Just carefully, mm-hmm. and know every one of the, the of each of these ants' ancestors. To know all of them all the way back it is also profoundly just relieving. Where you're like, when well, here I am, and God says that we see that in Scripture, you know, all the time. Go to the flowers, see how see how God dressed the flowers, you know, not, and they just wither away in a day, and and you know, not one sparrow falls to the ground. How much more will He care for you? So you think if you look at that level of focus and intensity. And you think that we get bored, because we're so obviously finite, with the genealogies of the Old Testament. And then that God has crafted genealogies for every insect on this planet that go back to the beginning of the world and forward to whenever their line ends. You know, it's like that's all there. The, the, the thread count in this tapestry is, you know, almost infinite, bordering on infinite, uh, because He is.
0: Okay, you're blowing my mind here, and I'm it. This is great. <laughs> okay, I have another question about the title. Now, you know, you could have made it like "God's Great Creatures" or <laughs> something, yes. but "The Riot and the Dance." Where did that title come from?
1: You know, in discussions with my uncle, and you know, he was working on a textbook also, which we ended up giving the same title. You know, mm-hmm. biology textbook, Christian biology textbook. So, "The Riot and the Dance." And as we were talking through it, when we're when you're trying to get out there and learn from natural revelation. You know, when, when, we, when we go to Scripture, we're going to something that's not been cursed, right? We're going to something that we can trust. When we go to natural revelation, yes, God made it. And yes, it's glorious and intricately crafted, but it's also been cursed. It's mm-hmm. also fallen. You know, we know that all of creation is groaning for the resurrection, you know, groaning as in the pangs of childbirth, as Paul says. And, you know, ra- waiting for that birth, that birth into the new heavens and the new earth. And when you go out there and you, you can see all these flashes of Eden, all these glimmers of Eden, but you also see the brokenness, the chaos, you know, nature, red tooth and claw. Um, you know, the, the riot is a leopard eating a monkey. The dance is a leopard letting a baby monkey go, you know, the dance is the puma's face. The riot is the death that's required to keep that puma alive. Right. Um, so we don't, we didn't want to be sentimentalists when we went out into the world and pretend like everything's fine. Nothing's, nothing's broken here. Um, everything is. Everything is affected by the curse, but everything is also um, able to tell you something about God. Everything is also able to tell you something about the artist who crafted it. So there's both. We see the dance everywhere in every sunset, and we see the riot everywhere too because human mortality rates are still 100%. Mm-hmm. Animal mortality rates are still at 100%. You know, everything dies and everything's waiting for the resurrection, you know, for the new heavens and the new earth. So we, we didn't want to lie about anything. We want, to, we want to tell the truth. We want to see beauty. Uh, we want to see the beauty, find the beauty, find the Edenic beauty, uh, the glimpses of paradise that God's woven everywhere. But we also want to see the, the consequences of sin, the, the fruit of the fall, um, the enemy that, that Christ came to defeat, you know, the, the world that needs changing. Um, and it's apparent everywhere. So while well, we wanted to, you know, package the riot such that kids could watch it, you know, they could right. get, out, get out there and say, check this out. Isn't this awful? Um, that's not what we wanted to do. Uh, we talk about the death toll from, you know, poisonous snakes, a hundred thousand a year and more killed by vipers, mostly in the subcontinent and uh, Africa, South America, a um, hundred thousand a year killed by wow. snakes. And that's the per- that's the perfect picture because these vipers are amazing. You look at them, they're stunning. Uh, but so is their neurotoxins. Right. <laughs> right. It's all, it's also stunning. So it's, uh, we wanted to really give as honest and accurate a, a picture of the, of the situation, uh, of natural revelation interpreted through scripture, through the lens of scripture as we could. And so riot and dance are both necessary, you know, as part of telling the truth about the world we live in.
0: I love that. Well, I just appreciate you taking the time um, to share with me today. And then it's April 19th when it's going to be Absolutely, back yes. in theaters. And then the water. When is the water one going to be out? Are you still working hopefully, on that? Or?
1: Hopefully next year. We're still working on it. And we don't have a release date set yet, but um, we have to have all those conversations. As soon as we're done with this release on Riot One, we'll have those conversations with the theaters and all the other platforms and, and see if we can pencil in a date in 2019 for part two
0: well my kids are waiting (laughs) if you need anyone to watch a pre-release we have some fans over here that would love it awesome well
1: in the meantime you can tell them i do have another book coming out so oh okay there's there's another kids adventure coming out i'm still doing those things cupboards is over you know there's the coverage trilogy is done but i'm still chipping away at other stuff so what's your new book uh, there's, it's an outlaw of, it's called Outlaws of Time. Okay. Yeah. I it's, saw that series. Mm-hmm. And book, book three comes out April 17th. Oh, <laughs> so, perfect. Yeah. So I finished the trilogy April 17th. Um, and it's been funny promoting two things at once, but i so I've mostly just been promoting Riot. So normally I'd be like on a book tour out, out uh, you know, pounding the street, slinging books. But, uh, this time around it's been all about the nature doc.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And I saw that series and we don't have that one. So I'm going to have to pick that up for the kids. They're uh-huh, going to love it. Yeah.
1: If they like if they like the snakes in Ride and the the dance, they'll love Outlaws of time. Oh my goodness. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, just sold. I'm 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 logging on to Amazon right now
1: <laughs> to order. Perfect.
0: Well, thank you so much for thank your time. You.
1: I and, really appreciate it. Yeah, and just Let's thank you hide all your kids for me.
0: Okay. I, oh my goodness. Yeah. They're going to they're going to listen to this and just like squill, because they're going to love that. <laughs> well, thank you all for right. all
1: you do. Absolutely. You too.
0: Oh, and one more thing. Um, where can listeners go if they want to find out more about you and uh, all the things that you're
1: working on? Uh, you can go to ndwilson.com, uh, but right now it's just riotinthedance.com. If you need to find a theater near you, um, you can type your zip code into riotinthedance.com. It shows you the you know your closest screen. Um, so anything about the movie, that's the website. Stuff about me and my other books ndwilson.com
0: okay well thank you thank Thank you for your time
1: really appreciate it cheers
0: thanks okay wasn't that awesome i think you can actually hear me gasp as Andy shared the story about the puma and the baby monkey i am so inspired after talking to him that i'm ready to watch the documentary again we just watched it a couple days ago we loved it the first time and now that i've had a glimpse into all that was happening in Andy's life during that time i know that we'll love it even more as I've gotten to know God as my creator God, my faith has just continued to grow. Seeing God's creation has grown my faith to realize that God holds all of these creatures in his hands. And it just gives me faith that he, if he can take care of the creatures like he does, he will definitely take care of me and my family. Now, today's walk it out verse is one that Andy mentioned, and that's Job twelve seven through 10. But ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds in the sky, and they will tell you, or speak to the earth, and it will teach you, or let the fish in the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of God has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature, and the breath of all mankind. Wow, I just love that verse. That was again with Job twelve seven through 10. Now my prayer for you today, friend, and my prayer for me is that we may understand that we, like the creatures, are in God's hands. All our breath, all our life are in his hands. Our all-powerful creator, God, chooses to draw near to us and be with us step by step. I am so thankful for that. Again, go and check out this documentary. It releases um, in theaters on April 19th, and I know that you will be blessed. As always, you can find out more information about me on my website, which is just trishagoyer.com. You can also find me on any social media site like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram under Trisha Goyer. Finally, friends, I'd really appreciate if you tell your friends about this podcast and encourage them to listen. As you know, this podcast is sponsored by my book, Walk It Out, The Radical Result of Living God's Word, One Step at a Time, and it's published by David C. Cook. Now, David C. Cook is a nonprofit publisher that is spreading God's word in over 100 countries. Thank you for tuning in, and I pray that your week will be blessed. Today's podcast was edited and produced by Author Media. Opening and closing music is from the song Wide Open Space by Life Worship, used with permission from Integrity Music.